0: Two, one, let's go. Welcome to the Fiction Addiction Podcast. A podcast where we go one-on-one with fiction creators, such as authors, filmmakers, actors, songwriters, and more. Each episode, we get the inside scoop on our guests' creative process, the ups and downs of their industries, and our guests also give out tips and tricks that help them become successful. And now... Let's jump into the episode with your host, Chris C.L. Lowry. All right, all right, all right.
1: Welcome back to the Fiction Addiction Podcast. My next guest works for the federal government and has a MBA in business administration. Her writing experience ranges from technical writing of government policies to a former local recording artist who expressed lyrically through years of songwriting. She won the 2007 Creative Communication Poetry Contest with her poem, My Impression, which was published in Celebrate Poets Speak Out. This gave her the extra confidence to share her contagious sense of humor and led to her creating the hilarious Smart Alec Alex chapter book series. Ladies and gentlemen, Tanya D. Saeed. Tanya, what is going on?
2: Hey, Chris, how are you? Everything I'm good. is you everything.
1: Going? <laughs> I am doing
2: great. I'm doing great. In light of what's going on in the world today, I really can't complain.
1: All right. So first things first, obviously you just mentioned it, the global pandemic currently going on. How yes. are you dealing with it?
2: Um. You know, because I'm a diabetic, I have to be very careful. I am one of those who have uh, what they call the underlining issue. Um mm-hmm. So I'm very, very cautious about uh, what I do and uh, the people that I'm around and, and where I go. I know that there are some things that you just can't get around. Um, but at the same time, you, you try to be as cautious as possible. I do wear a mask and I do wear um, the plastic gloves and everything. Um, so, you know, basically, I'm right now I'm kind of stationary because the, the governor of Maryland has... Uh, issued um, a, a warning where we are to stay off the streets after 8 o'clock tonight. Um, only those who are essential can go out um, to go to work, and that would be your grocery stores and um, police and fire and all that other good stuff. My daughter works for the police department here in Maryland, so she's one of the essential people that have to go to work. Outside of that, i um, I'm just chilling. I'm relaxed, really. <laughs> I am enjoying my time. Um, the federal government is uh, working uh, at home. Everybody is at home working, so it's for me. It's just chill. So I'm in. I'm. I'm in light of what's going on. I really feel for a lot of people that um, are catching this disease, uh, whether they are not having any symptoms, down to the ones who are actually losing their lives. Um, It's 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 sad. It's horrific. Um, I really think at this point with what's going on in the world today and I don't know everybody's religion, but I think at this point, God is starting to talk.
1: Mm. So how long, in your opinion, do you think this is going to last? These stay at home orders from all these states and and obviously the country.
2: Uh, well, according to the president, uh, it was supposed to be until Easter, but yeah, they right. have extended <laughs> it. They have extended it to April 30th. But I, honestly, I hate to be a pessimistic about the whole situation, but I just don't see how we could cover ourselves from it. Because, I mean, even though the essential people have to go to work, They are allowing us to go to the store, you know, grocery and get uh, necessities and stuff like that. Um, Because I really feel that this this virus is is kind of airborne. I don't see how we can really get away from it. I mean, for me, like I said, it's just it's by the grace of God. If if you do or um, don't get it, actually, Um, there are some people who are carriers and don't even know it um, that are not having any symptoms. But the ones who are receptable to it um, can catch it easily just being around that person or touching something that they have touched. So um, I really don't know how long this is going to last, but it's really putting a damper on what I'm trying to do, um, especially when it comes to the books, because I have actually uh, booked um, book festivals every month until the end of the year. But everything is being postponed or canceled due to the pandemic. Hmm.
1: So as a as a mother, you mentioned your daughter is on uh, the police department. Mm-hmm. How, what are your concerns for her? Because obviously some of the numbers that are that are coming out are 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 are, are incredible in terms of the officers and law enforcement that are affected. The NYPD said they had they reported over 500 officers um, testing positive. Uh, They talked they talked about thousands of them being sick. Uh, Yes. Detroit Detroit police. They put out over, I think, almost 300 of their officers have uh, tested positive. So as a parent, um, how concerned are you for your daughter? Obviously dealing with the public during this time.
2: I'm very concerned. Um, I'm actually afraid, actually, because uh, my daughter is asthmatic. Um, she's not a cop. She is a 911 operator. So she deals with a lot um, when it comes to taking in calls and what's going on around the city. So um, I just talk to her as much as possible to make sure that she is aware of what's going on. Um, she's young. She's like, well, she just turned 24 so, you know, sometimes they don't take these things seriously. Like the kids oh, that are absolutely. on spring break down in Florida and they all in oh, the yeah. beach and they having a ball, um, you know, they always think that they're exempt, but they're not. So I try to uh, warn her as much as possible uh, to just go straight to work, do what she needs to do, and then go straight home. Um, the police officers where she is. Um, they actually kind of stay out of the station uh, where she is is isolated so they really don't have any contact with one another because she's kind of behind a what a a shield um, bulletproof shield so she's not in contact with the officers that come in and out but I went to visit her a couple of days ago uh, to take something t- um, for her you know everybody's running around looking for toilet paper and paper towels. <laughs> So I took her some down to her job so she could take it home with her when she got off. And all the officers were just standing out, you know, in the parking lot. And um, so they they don't even go into the station. And any kind of communications that they do or have uh, with the people inside um, are via, I guess, uh, email or the systems that they use to communicate with the operators. So, um, you know, I'm just hoping that it stays the way it is right now where she is there has not been any cases so i'm hoping it stays that way uh, because i think prior to this happening maybe three weeks prior to all this happening she had a severe asthma attack Um, she wanted to basically volunteer at a um, adoption for dogs and cats and dogs she's okay with but i think cats is what kind of Uh, basically set her off and she went into a a attack and it was a severe attack. Um, So I was pretty nervous about that. So, yeah, it it is a little scary, but she's doing her job. She's doing what she needs to do. And all I can do is pray on it.
1: Hmm. Now, now you also mentioned all those kids uh, down on spring break, the young people. Obviously, Mm -hmm. there has been some concern of them not taking it serious. Uh, some of mm-hmm. the comments of the kids on Spring Break—they were interviewed. Uh, they, they didn't care. Um, no, <laughs> they didn't care mm-hmm. at all. Uh, Broward County, Florida—they just had hundreds of people block traffic on the highway to throw a party. Um, right, in their cars and, and all just a bunch of nonsense. I think it's ironic because I saw a post online, and it says a quick reminder that if the roles were reversed and young people were more likely to die from the virus. Our parents and grandparents would do absolutely anything and everything to save us. And Mm -hmm. as we know, um, older people and people with underlying issues are more at risk. Mm -hmm. But what do you think about that post in terms of knowing our generation? And if we were told to social distance back in the 90s or the early 2000s, it wouldn't even be a question. You know what I mean? Uh, In terms of, of doing it, but now, in this era, we, we're, it's kind of hard to, to reel the young people in for life saving, a life saving pandemic. So what do you think that contributes to that problem?
2: I think where it actually started is uh, allowing these kids to call 911 when they're babies if they're getting mm-hmm. a spanking. <laughs> I think it generates from there. You know, when we were coming up, we were definitely afraid of our um, parents. So any, you know, just give us one look or to grit your teeth was enough for us right. to straighten up. <laughs> but these kids today, there is no, um, it, to me, it just appears that there is no fear. They don't fear um, the adults today, the the cops. Um, I remember at one point in time when you came across a police officer you respected that officer, and you did what you were told to do. But they don't do that today. Um, I think the kids today are just so carefree. It's like whatever goes. You when know, I was coming up, if you had a pair of Jordash or Gloria Vanderbilt jeans, then you were with the in crowd. Today's kids—they wear what they want. You know, however they want. There is no specific style. Um, And they just, you know, do as they want to do. And I'm I'm okay with that, but my thing is be responsible. And in this situation, you have to be responsible and, you know, ask yourself this, the biggest question of all, do you value your life? You know, some do, and then some don't. And there are a lot that, you know, I, I know when I was coming up, um, I was one of those that really felt like I was exempt from a lot of things, you know, not to put nobody on the spot, but my mother used to always say, don't you go over in Southeast? i not go over in Southeast Washington. But a lot of my friends lived over in that area. So, and I lived out in Maryland. So if I wanted to hang out with my friends, you know, I would go over to Southeast or what have you. Uh, not even thinking about, oh, something could happen to me mm-hmm. um, over there. Uh, Every other day there's something going on uh, in Southeast, but, you know, when we're young, we just think, you know, oh, nothing's going to happen to me. I'm going to be all right. Stop worrying. Uh, Now that I'm an adult and I have a child of my own, I worry just as much. um, And it doesn't even matter how old she is. Um, That's my one and only. So I'm going to worry.
1: Now, you also mentioned earlier about book events being canceled, things you signed up for Mm -hmm. Um, this. Obviously, the pandemic has taken a great toll on the economy. Businesses are laying off millions of people, small Mm -hmm. businesses. Uh, We have come to the reality because obviously you're an author. So you are a brand, you are a business. Um, Yes, and we see the impact, something like this happened. And it's only been what? It was this, what's this week three? Um, yeah, it's actually, only been three weeks. Three weeks. Three. And we've seen the impact that it has had on entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. um, small businesses in terms of items being shipped. Obviously, we have to have books delivered and get to prepare yes. for these events. And like like you said, some of them are postponed, but some of them may be canceled. And that's a source of income to keep the business running. Right. So how, um, how impactful has the pandemic been on your outlook of a small having your small business and brand moving forward, trying to grow?
2: Um, I I don't look at it as being a negative. Um, right now, only a couple of them have been uh, postponed because they are vastly approaching. Um, They had one actually in April uh, for PG County for uh, local authors. Mm -hmm. And that one, they were kind of holding steady on that until they figured out exactly where was this going to go. Um, So they just basically canceled about a couple of days ago, uh, figuring that, okay, it's, it's not getting any better. It's getting worse. And me, I like what I do so much that it hasn't really had an impact on me. I mean, I was a little worried when my new book, I have a new book that just came out about a month ago. And so I put in an order at Amazon to have those books delivered. And then I did get a notice stating that, you know, it may be delayed or I may not get it at all,
3: but Mm.
2: it turned out for the better because I did, I got the books. Um, So I didn't have anything to worry about. Um, So I'm looking forward to, you know, hopefully things will clear up and we're able to do this. I look at it, I try to look at it in, in different aspects of it. And when I, you know, I have a regular job, you know, I work for the federal government. So my thing is, should I spend a lot of money to get this thing up and running or should I not do it? Um, I don't know about everybody else, but for me, I don't have, you know, I need my money now, so I don't have a whole lot of taxes coming out of my check, (laughs) you know, so, you know, so I need something that's going to supplement it and how I supplement it would be to spend the money that I'm spending on the things that I want to do, um, within my network that would generally probably cause me to go into the negative, um, so with that being said, more than likely, I won't have to pay a whole lot of taxes, you know. So, right. you know, I don't look at it as like, well, I'm not getting any money. I, I don't I'm not doing this for the money, to be honest with you. I'm doing it because I really enjoy doing it. Uh, a lot of people have asked me, well, you know, all the giveaways that you give away when you do these um, book festivals. um How are you, how are you doing it? How are you getting it? And, and basically I'm just spending my own money. You know, I enjoy doing it. I enjoy looking for different types of paraphernalia and things to do to give away to the kids when they buy the book. Um, even on top of right now, what is working for me the most in this whole mess? is the fact that I started selling t-shirts of smart alec alex in different styles and colors and sweatshirts. And people are just, you know, basically right now they kinda eating it up. So (laughs) that income is 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 keeping me going. When I wanna do other things or buy things to add to, you know, what it is that I'm gonna give to the kids once they buy my book. You know, I'm giving away backpacks. I'm giving away like mood cups. I'm giving away. Um, I think is it called lanyards that go around your neck. Um, all kinds of stuff. Um, when they buy the book, it's like they're getting a a full package when they buy the book. Um, it's just something that I really enjoy doing, and it, it makes me happy uh, when I see them happy. So, like I said, the T-shirts and the sweatshirts uh, are doing very well and uh, my daughter she's the one that does uh, my PR and she she uh, maintains my website so people can go out there and and order and I'm the one that's actually doing them I do not have a company that is um, doing mass production for me I am actually customizing each shirt that someone orders from me
1: oh that's good Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
1: So how have you been dealing with uh, the quarantine and creating uh, still? Are you still do you still have Obviously, you have more time now. Um, like you yes. mentioned, you got the search and things like that. So how have you been dealing with creating during this time as well?
2: Um, since I've already finished and published the second book uh, about a month ago, Right now, I'm kind of taking a break because there's some things that I wanted to do around the house while I have this time.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, But like
2: I said earlier, I'm I'm enjoying my time at home, relaxing, because usually my day is very hectic and I'm just always on the go. So this gives me a chance to kind of lay back and, and chill. And I'm like halfway through the third book. Um, So it gives me an opportunity to sit down and complete that. Uh, So I'm, I'm enjoying my time. Like I said, it's, it's, it's unfortunate what we're going through, but at the same time, it allows me to do some of the other things around the house outside of uh, my creating uh, the books. I still do a little bit of the music. I, in fact, cranked up my studio today and uh, worked on. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of worked on a a theme, uh, uh, background music for Smart Alec Alex. So I'm just I'm just a busybody. It's like whatever.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now, speaking on your creating and your writing, um, Uh when did you begin writing? When did your journey start?
2: I think my journey started when Actually, I have a best friend that used to read all the African-American books, and uh, we would go to a mall called uh, PG Plaza, and there they had Caribou Bookstore, and I just thought it was amazing when we would go there that it would be so many females in there, and they would be buying at least four to five books. And I mean, the conversations they would have about what was going on in that book and don't read that one first, because this one is going to lead into that one. Uh, This Mm. one goes after this book. So it it was just really fascinating to me. And I'm always like, "Hmm, if if they can do it, I can do it too type of deal. And because, you know, I write songs or enjoy writing songs, I figured, well, how, how hard can this be? And so I started writing a novel of my own called Tapping Into New York. And it was one of those novels that was like zing. It was just off the hook. But, (laughs) but at the same time, I'm just such a kid at heart. I am so Scooby-Doo and the Flintstones that, you know, financially, I was still in the government, and I needed to get a part-time job to, to pay something off. I'm not sure what it was at the time. And um, while I was doing it, it was a telemarketing kind of job, and it was basically interviewing people in regards to radio and television. Um, and if, if you know telemarketing, a lot of people don't want to be dealing with that. They don't want to be bothered with that. So you either get a no or they hang up on you. Well, I was getting a lot of no's and I was getting hung up on. So, you know, I was like, okay, I really don't want to do this, but I need the money. So on my spare time, I just started writing. And I was thinking about myself as a child um, and my daughter uh, at the time. And I started jotting down a lot of the little silly things that we ran across or did or things that we saw. Um, that we would talk about. And before I knew it, the things that I wrote down had became a story.
3: Mm.
2: Not sure how I came up with Smart Alec. Alex, Um it just seemed like something that would roll off of your tongue. I'm always looking for something very catchy um, and something that um, would draw you in. And I thought about myself as a child. I was a smart Alec. I don't care what you had to say. I had something to come back with and I still do (laughs) as an adult. (laughs) So I, uh, basically just, you know, I kinda, some people say, well, you do things a little backwards and I do. It's like some people will, um, write a song, uh, the lyrics and then add the music. Me, I want you to give me the music and then I add the lyrics. And it was the same thing with me writing the book. I would actually write the title and the content of the book before I would actually write the book. Mm. And it just, it became easier, um, for me. And before I knew it, I had a children's book and decided that I wanted to turn it into a chapter series. Um, I did publish it. This was about 10 years ago. Um, but I wasn't, I don't think I was as serious as I am today. So basically, um, I inquired the help of a vanity company, um, which is a self-publishing company, but they do everything for you and you pay them to do it, which was a wrong move because all they do is take your money and they don't do anything with your product. So I just let it go and I didn't do anything else with it. Um, Fast forward, my daughter's in college and she graduates and my best friend is like, I really still think that you have something with Smart Alec Alex. You really need to get back to that and do something with it and finish it because you really didn't see it through like I think you should have. And even though I felt in, within myself that it would be something really good and it would you know, probably reach a, a broad audience and a lot of people would like it, I still was not, my mind was not set on it. And for, I think at least a year, I still didn't do anything about it. And then one day I just woke up and boom, it hit me. I got the inspiration and I started writing. Um, I looked at what I already had and tweaked it and decided, okay, well, I don't wanna go through a vanity company. So how do I do this on my own? I don't want to go through like a a popular publishing company because then I'm not going to have that control. I am Mm -hmm. a creative person and I like to have control over whatever it is that I'm creating. So I got on Facebook and uh, I happened to see scroll by illustrators and writers um, chat group and. It says something about, you know, if you wanted to join, this is what you would do. So I did. I joined. And for about a month or so, I looked at a lot of the things that people were chatting about. Things, questions that they were asking. And I realized that this was basically a help group, a help group. And so I started asking questions. And um, they were very nice, uh, very receptive They um There was a lot of guidance. Um, And so basically I started feeding off of that. So what is my next step? I have the story, but now in the last book, I didn't have any illustrations, but this book I do. And I wanted illustrations uh, in this book. So how do I find an illustrator? Once you put it out there within the group, the illustrators just all, they flocked all around you like flies. Check my <laughs> stuff out. <laughs> right. It was like, here, here's my website. Check me out. This and that and the other. And so when I started seeing a lot of the websites that they were putting out there of their work, I came across this one guy. And I, for the life of me, I can't pronounce his last name, but his first name is Kastaf. And he's, and he's in India. And when I looked at his work, I said, wow, he's exactly what I'm looking for. I had already drawn Alex myself because I went to the Art Institute of Philadelphia um, when I was younger. Um, So I was definitely into art. And so I got in touch with him and I gave him what I had. And I asked him, you know, all the logistics. And I told him, now you take this and, and make it your own. You know, let me see what you come up with just by what I'm giving you here. And then voila, Alex was born, everybody loves her. They love her look. So now I'm like, okay, I got the illustrator. Now what's next? And the next thing was to uh, inquire a, a editor. And that to me was kind of hard because the first book I did, I actually got my ex-husband's father, which he was a... a a professor at Howard University to edit my first book. Well, this is mm. supposed to be hilarious and fun, but he took all the funny parts out of it when he edited it. <laughs> So <laughs> I realized that he was just not the right person. So, you know, when I went out to the chat room and, and told him, you know, what I was thinking and what I went through, one lady approached me. Uh, her name was uh, Debbie Mumber. I think her name is uh, Cupford. Debbie mumber Cuppert, And so she was like, I know exactly what you're talking about. When it comes to an editor, you must pair up with someone who understands what you're trying to do. Exactly. You, you, you know, if if your book is supposed to be funny or hilarious, then the editor needs to understand that and feed off of that. And so she says, so I know how to do that if you would like to work with me. And so I did, you know, I hired her to do the editing and me being who I am, (laughs) I gave her my uh, manuscript to look at, to edit, and it didn't take her long. I think within a week, she sent it back. When I opened up what she gave me, I was mortified. Because oh, really? <laughs> I was because the whole thing was red. It mm. had so many red markings, it was crazy. <laughs> and so I got offended, really? I did. I got offended. and uh, I was like, what is she talking about? You know, I didn't even read what it is that she had replaced it with or or her suggestions. Um, all I saw was red. And I, I had to close it, you know, and my best friend is like, no, you can't be like that because she, <laughs> she, she is here to help you. And being right. that she's a professional, she knows what she's doing. You have to take the constructive criticism and then turn it around into whatever it is that it's supposed to be. And so I did, I looked at her work and actually a lot of things that she said, made a lot of sense and um so at this point i'm thinking how do i change all the things that she's requesting me to change because even though she's giving me suggestions i don't want to take all of her suggestions because if i do she may as well uh write the book instead of me yeah.
3: right.
2: so um it took me a minute took me a couple of weeks to get through it and i gave it back to her and she was like, wow, this is like 110% much better. Mm. And long story short, even working with her in the second book, she's like, I really didn't have to do too much because you get it. You 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 actually got it. And I follow her steps as far as what I need to do and how I need to do the book in order to get my message across especially when you're dealing with young children and it being hilarious because some of the things i think i was a little off the chain with and so she had to bring it down a notch for me Mm. and so now i'm kindness about doing that myself understand i'm dealing with nine to 12 year olds so you know i can't be too out there with the hilarity um but now Is definitely has resonated within me and she's helped me to become a better writer. Wow. So we got through the editing part of it. And so what's next? The next thing would be the formatter. This is the person who is actually taking the illustrations and the editing of the whole book and then putting it all together piece by piece and actually giving you your finished product. Um, this person, her name is Toby. And, and mind you, all the people that I'm dealing with are all over the world, because one is in Europe, one is in India, and I think the format is she's here in Wisconsin somewhere. Um, okay. But I have been blessed and lucky to have found a fantastic team. They have done my stuff uh, a world of justice and I, I couldn't be happier um, with the people um, that I'm dealing with right now. So you know, after that, you upload your book to uh, Kindle Publishing, Kindle Direct Publishing, and voila, and then there's your finished product. Um, it's It's been very rewarding for me and and um, I mean it, it can be a little expensive, but like I said, the people that I've come across, Um, winded up believing in me and have done me a world of justice. So I don't, I don't mind, um, spending what I've spent to, to get the product that I have. And then, like I said, they really weren't as expensive as I thought they would be.
1: Mm. Oh yeah. Cause some of the stuff you're talking about thousands and thousands of, of dollars. It is. Yeah, absolutely. it is.
2: It's a lot of money. It can be. And see, I felt like the black sheep of the family when it comes to the illustrators and writers, whether it be um, just the illustrators and writers, but I also um, with the illustrators and writers for African-American people, um, a lot of them deal with books that are from ages like three to eight. So those type of books are just full color books. Right. you know right. where they're like 20 20 to 25 pages of just full color and you got you know maybe one or two or maybe four sentences per per cover um right. or page, page. me yeah. mines is the actual chapter book and if you look at some of the chapter books that are out today they do not have um, they do not have pictures in it but i i was one of those was like okay it's coming up I was not a reader unless I had some pictures. And so I I made it my business to have the illustrator do one, at least one illustration per chapter. And each chapter, I mean, each book has 12 chapters in it. So he would do the color back and front cover. And then he would do also... 12 illustrations that go in the book and those 12 illustrations in the book are black and white Mm. so it's it's, you know it's definitely uh, pleasing to the eye Um, the illustrations are just as funny as the story it goes along with the story Um, I've gotten some reviews from you know a couple of kid reviewers I wanted to get their take on it Um, one of the first book reviews I did or actually book Festivals that I did was here in DC during the Christmas uh, season. And um, I, you know, when I was doing this particular uh, book festival, I was kind of in tears because it turned out so well. But what really got to me was there was a lady that walked up to me with her daughter, and her daughter had on a Catholic uniform. I found that to be a little strange on a Saturday morning, um, but she was like, yeah, I'm here with my daughter and uh, she wants to get her book signed and uh, actually her teacher is on the way. So, oh, okay. I didn't think no more of it when she said her teacher was on the way, but I would—I think like five minutes later, the teacher showed up, but the teacher actually showed up with her whole class. Mm. And, and I was like, wow, what's going on? And the teacher came to me and she introduced herself. Um, she let me know that they had chosen my book as the book of the month and that her fifth grade class was reading this book and she had created a full curriculum around the story. And because the fifth graders are getting ready to head into the sixth grade, the smart Alec Alex changing schools and classroom rules was perfect in her mind because it allowed them to get an idea of what they would be faced with when they go into the sixth grade and now the sixth graders are actually changing classes they're not just in one class and when she found out and I asked her I said well how did you find out about me and how did you find out that I was going to be here?" Well, she told me that she heard my my uh, interview on the Steve Harvey Morning Show. Oh, wow. And yeah, I was on I did Bobby Gales taking it to the street um, in eight for H.U.R. W.H.U.R. Um, with Renee Nash and Bobby Gales. And uh, it was broadcasted during the Steve Harvey Morning Show. She said she was on her way to school and she heard about it and. So she bought the book and then she read it herself before she presented it to the class. And, you know, and that's how that came about. Um, and then I think she went to my website and found out that I was going to be at that particular mall during the Christmas uh, season and decided to bring the class with her because they all wanted to get their book signed and take pictures and all that stuff. And I was just in tears because well, it was so just amazing. it was. It is. It was just a shock to me. Um, it was a total surprise. It was nothing that I had ever dreamed about. Um, and then afterwards, she she wrote me a letter and sent the letter to me, and I had to frame it. <laughs> but it, it was just it was just a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. So, you know, I tried it. In you know, in in me having this book festival and or being in the book festival and all. I had people give me their email addresses. So, you know, they would know when the next books were coming out. Right. And so I just did that recently. So it's been, it's been, um, it's been a fast ride because here we are, what? It's March going on April. Mm-hmm. And I got started in October. So that that's not F-2019? that. Huh? Of
1: 2019? Yes. Oh wow! Yeah, that's that's definitely.
2: A- <laughs> yes, I was. You know, this 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 ride has been um, a fast ride, and I'm. You know, I, I just can't believe it, and I'm just really embracing it and enjoying it. Um, it's definitely keeping me busy. Um, like I said, especially the teachers. I'm at the point now where I probably do need to find someone. To help me with mass production because yeah, it's
3: getting
2: yeah it's getting a little out of hand. Um, but uh, you know, a lot of people like the characters and like the way they look and the T-shirts that I'm doing. You know, some will co- some will say that oh, that that looks expensive. Well, I'm just one of those who I, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right, and I, I like the best mm. of the best. So a lot of the things that I'm using, I'm using like varsity letters and stuff like that that you would use in on college uh, paraphernalia and stuff like that.
0: Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss an episode of the Fiction Addiction Podcast by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now, back to the show.
1: Now, why why is that important uh, for you to have? Like you said, you want the best of the best. Uh, Why is that important for you and your brand?
2: Because it's something that you're going to remember. You're going to remember it and I'm going to remember it. And that's just who I am. I like the best of the best. I always go above and beyond in any of my creations once I saw you know it was one of the guys that was at that particular festival and he had he only had one shirt (laughs) and I asked him I said where's your where's the rest of the shirt so he said I only got one left so you know I picked it up and I felt it and uh, it was very very soft but very thin and I'm like hmm Every company that I went to, to actually do it, to to see how much it was going to cost, was just way above my budget. And so, me being who I am, like I said, I went to art school and all that other stuff. I just like trying new things and creating. I said to myself, I can do this myself. Let me just go to one of these little art stores, and I started going to Michael's and Hobby Lobby. And Hobby Lobby was the best because they have all kinds of T-shirts, baseball shirts, hoodies, anything you could possibly think of. And then I'm like, okay, well, what can I use to transfer the characters because you know I do the ones with the characters and I also do one with just Alex herself. Now me being the author, I'm usually the one that wears Alex myself. And everybody else they want something with all the characters on it. So I looked into the heat paper, you know the kind of paper that would transfer um this type of stuff on your um on your garment. And brought it home put it on the paper, uh, copied it and printed it out. And it was a lot of trial and error, but that's okay.
0: But I kept doing it.
2: Yeah, I kept doing it until I perfected and and then taught people how to care for it as well. Because when they buy the the, the t-shirts or the sweatshirts from me, um, I actually put together um, a care package with Alex on it that shows you how to care for it. So it won't peel and all this other stuff. Mm. Um, but then I started looking at the letters and I'm like, well, I don't want no regular letters. I like these varsity letters with the big bold uh, varsity letters that come in different colors. They were red and black and they had all white ones and they had royal blue and I just started making all kinds of stuff and I would just show that to people. And even when I was at that one festival, I had on a white hoodie with just Alex herself, but the varsity letters were black, I mean, uh, blue and white. And the lady, one of the ladies was like, wow, are you selling those? And I'm like, eventually, but not right now.
3: Mm. I just
2: wanted to see how many people would be interested in it. You know, I went to one of the biggest book festivals in Philadelphia for African-American children. And I was a little salty that I couldn't get in on it. But I'm like, well, it's too late. But I still want to check it out. I have a lot of family in Philly. So me and my mom, we rode up anyway. And we went to this book festival before I could. And we purposely wore the paraphernalia. Before I can even get in the building, we had people coming up to me asking, Where'd you get that shirt? And it was the hoodie. I had the white one on again, and I made my mother, Um, she had on a gray one with all the characters, and I think her letters were like uh, black and white. Um, But from there, people were asking us, Where did we get those hoodies? So when I told them, you know, and I gave them my card, for them to check out my website, anybody can order those sweatshirts, and like I said, I'm basically doing them myself. But to answer your question, I just like the best of the best, and I'm very creative, and I like to um, try different things. Uh, I just, you know, I just like the things that that look good, and and think about um, what other people would like and what would appeal to them and, and draw to them. And the way I'm doing them is, is, is actually working These people are, are drawn to it without even knowing anything about Alex or reading the book. It's like, get the t-shirt and then, or get the the hoodie. And then I'm telling them about the book and then, you know, they'll go out and and get it or they can buy it from me. Mm. On my website, If you get it from me, then it's it's uh, um, I think my daughter has it out there as an autograph uh, copy from me. If you order it from the website, Oh, that's nice. Yeah.
1: So how much did your education at the Art Institute play into obviously your creativity now as a writer and as a as a businesswoman, period? Because obviously you got the merchandise and apparel out now. So how much did the Art Institute play a factor into that?
2: That's a hard question
1: because,
2: (laughs) (laughs) and the reason why I say that is because it's really not what I wanted to do. Um,
3: Oh, really?
2: No, it's not. When I was in high school, I knew I could draw and stuff like that, but I didn't even apply for the Art Institute of Philadelphia. My art teacher somehow talked to somebody there I, to be honest with you, I, I have no idea what happened. All I knew was I got a letter of acceptance, and oh, really? uh, <laughs> right. So I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, yeah, I like art, but my passion, <laughs> but my passion at that time was music. I, mm. I I wanted to be Beyonce before Beyonce was Beyonce. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like Aaliyah before Aaliyah came out, you know, that was my, that was my style. But, you know, my parents were like, oh, the music industry, there's too much going on. There's all these drugs and this and that and the other. Um, they really were not that supportive of it, um, but the art they were okay with. And this was during the era, and this is probably going to give away my age, but this was during the era when Madonna first came out. And everybody was wearing the the fishnet whatever's and the holy pants and hair all over the place with with a ribbon around some part of your hair. You're just looking like a bum. When I went to the Art Institute of Philadelphia, I walked up in there as if I was fashion myself because I refused to look like that. You know, when everybody was sitting on the floor and comparing stories and wanted to know what part of the um, Art Institute are you in? Everyone thought that I was a part of the fashion department when I wasn't. I was a part of the commercial art, which was they mm-hmm. called at that time visual communication. I actually did, um, I did ads for John Wanamaker and Tom McGann and stuff like that back in the day. But it was just for me, I think it was just basically to appease my parents because the music industry was where I wanted to be. I lasted in that school one year and then came home and I think from the age 19 to probably 31, I did the music. So I don't think that the Art Institute had much to do with my writing. Um, like I said, I'm just one of those is like, if I see something that interests me, I just automatically just sit in my mind that I can do this. You know, when I finally figured out that the music industry, the music was not going to work. I mean, I had my fair share of fun and, you know, I did some backup for some people and even did my own projects. But I didn't get out there the way I wanted to get out there. And I'm going to say that, you know, back then I was very angry because I'm like, why, God, would you give me this talent and I can't use it? But, you know, sometimes we have to realize that even though we have that that particular talent, that is is not always going to be your destiny. So because I'm a creative person and I never saw myself as being one that that wanted to be a, a boring nine to five type like person. What else is there for me? Create creative wise. What else is there? And for some odd reason, Alex, smart Alec Alex just popped into my head out of nowhere. And even with all that's going on, it's taking a form and shape of its own. You know, I may be the creator, but the people who are actually buying the book or buying the paraphernalia that are really into her, They're the ones that's making the creation a reality.
1: Mm. Now, speaking of smart Alex, Alex, the actual character stands out so much and um, is a character that a lot of minority children will look at and relate to because of because of the image, because of her character characteristics. So mm-hmm. Obviously, she is a young girl of colors. She had the full lips, the Afro puffs, the earrings. Her friends mm-hmm. are diverse. What was the inspiration behind that to create a young girl character that so many people can relate to?
2: The ins- inspiration behind the whole um, the whole perspective of 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 smart Alec Alex was for years. I would go into a bookstore and like I said, I'm, I'm a kid at heart, um, even buying books for my daughter. She was reading Junie B. Jones or um, Amelia Bedelia or Goosebumps, uh, books like that. There was not many African-American books out there um, that basically showed her who she was. Mm-hmm. Um being that my daughter is is mixed she still identifies herself as being African American actually if you saw her you probably wouldn't know what she is but actually she's African descent because her father's from Kenya Um so a lot of people you know I have mixed breeds on my side of the family my grandfather and grandmother were white um but my mom or my dad, my dad is African American, um, so but we've always basically identified as being African Americans. So when I, you know, when I look at some of the the literature out there for African American kids, and don't get me wrong, I'm okay with it, but there needs to be more. When I look at what's already out there, it's always teaching our kids about our skin color or our hair, or bullying. is—is is, There's always something teaching us about something. But when you look at the Caucasian books, um, they may have those type of things, too. But a lot of their books are just strictly fun, just strictly entertainment. Right. And that's what I was missing with African-American books for children. Where are the ones that are just strictly for fun and entertainment, especially in the era that we're living in today. These kids, it just seems like they just can't be kids like we were growing up. We would go outside and play. Um, There wasn't a whole lot of violence or worrying about whether or not, you know, somebody's going to take your child or uh, drive by shootings and stuff like that. The kids today, they have a lot to worry about. And they really shouldn't. They should be just kids, you know, just ordinary kids not having a whole lot to worry about. And so that's where Alex came from, Um, because she does relate to a lot of the African-American kids today, because, you know, we all have a mouth on us (laughs) (laughs) And, and we all have gotten you know, backhand in the lips for saying something we ain't had no business saying. Now, although (laughs) her character is not disrespectful, she's just one of those that thinks she knows everything. She's just one of those annoying little kids that's like, you know, no, I'm always right and you're wrong. Mm -hmm. and You need to listen to me type of deal. But it's in a hilarious way. And the basic Basically, the antics that her and her best friends, um, the situations that they get themselves into are just, you know, just funny and fun and entertaining. I think with uh, changing schools and classroom rules uh, with the, the kids moving when we were coming up, seventh grade was junior high for us. But now they have taken it a step back where the sixth graders are now middle school kids and so this book will help them to cope with whatever it is that they may be faced with um when they go into middle school now this is not to to teach them anything in my in my mind as the writer I'm not teaching you anything this is just strictly entertaining and fun but there are some things that are in the book that will make you go hmm or it is teaching you a little bit about something the next book which is called braces and glasses imagine that is strictly fun also this is Alex thinking that okay my mom is saying next year I may have to get braces because I have an overbite well what is an overbite I don't overbite my food. So what is she talking about? So she's going through a lot in this book where she's trying to save face in front of her friends and they're letting her know it's okay. You know, if you have to get braces, so be it. It's not the end of the world. But towards the middle and going into the end of the book, she realizes that she's having problems with her vision as well. So now she's faced with getting braces and glasses. Are you kidding me? But the situations that she get into leading up to her wanting or having to get these braces and glasses just doesn't seem real. So what's really going on? And you won't find out what's really going on until the end of the book. You decipher, the child will decipher what's really going on at the end of the book. So the third book is actually called... Smart Alec Alex the Vacation from Hello Operator Help. Now this one is more on the goosebump side where there's a lot of strange things and ghosts and all that other stuff happening, but it's it's hilarious. It's really funny. I think it's going to be one of the best ones in the series. But um Alex me creating her is basically just pure entertainment and fun and that's something that I don't see a lot of in the African American children books especially children chapter books um, the younger ones with all the the color and the, and one or two sentences on each page that's fine and cool but the older ones they need to be reading as well and in order mm-hmm. to get them yeah in order to to really grasp their uh, attention you have to make it interesting for them. Um, Going back to the festival I did at the mall during Christmas, one little girl was just so excited. I'm like, "I, I wrote the book, but I hadn't read it in a while. And she's coming up to me and she's so excited about it. She's just reciting so many different things within the book. I'm like, wow, she's really she really read the book and she really digests what was going on within the stories because she's actually telling me verbatim what's going on. So, you know, that really made me feel happy because again, it wasn't, this is not a book that's teaching you about um, bullying and, and, and your skin color. And another thing I'm light-skinned, and so is my daughter. When you look at African-American books, the kids are usually dark-skinned or brown-skinned. You don't see a lot of light-skinned kids. So I wanted to make Alex a light-skinned kid. So her and her friends, they're all different shades. Because we, as African-Americans, we come in all different colors or different shades. So, you know, I, I definitely wanted to, to throw that in there, um, that there are different shades. That's just not just one shade. And that's, that's what I was saying. I just wanted to change it up a little bit and hope that it would stick.
1: <laughs> now you mentioned, um, your target, your target audience, the nine to 12 year old, that, um, writing for them, you have to capture their attention. Um, why did you choose that target audience specifically because obviously like you mentioned younger children books you can you can throw four sentences on a page and have colorful images and get a in and, and, and not saying it's less work but it's it's right. uh it's a is a lower word count so obviously right. you would be able to put multiple books out with the word count you have in a, in a chapter middle grade chapter book so why was it important for you to, to tackle the nine to 12 year old target audience?
2: Because they can understand, they, they would understand better. I just, I just felt like I can sit here with a nine to twelve year old and actually have a conversation, um, and them understand what I'm talking about without me having to uh, go too deep or explain. Uh, with a smaller child, there's a lot of guidance that that need to be handed. Um, to the, to, the, to the younger audience. Um, and there's handhelding, you know, what, what I find a little difficult, and, and I think I just put this out there a couple of days ago, um, with the ones that have done the colorful books with the two, three, four lines of sentence, it's easier for you to get up there um, with the smaller children and actually read to them. But when mm-hmm. you're dealing with the nine to 12-year-old, what are some of the activities that that I could use to appeal to an older children's audience? Um, like I said, I just I just feel like I because I, I have a childlike mind, um, a lot of things that, that I do create creativity wise, I feel like they would understand. They would understand me more. Um, I'm one of those who like to explain a lot. Uh, with with a smaller child, you don't have to go in depth with the conver- in the conversation with the smaller child that you would with an older child. And I just think that the the older ones don't read enough. They don't read enough. You know, my daughter when she was younger, she read a lot. But once she started, you know, being in the middle of middle school going into high school i, I really didn't see a, a, unless it was just her homework and her reading or studying but to just to read any other type of book she wasn't doing it you know these kids all they're on social media you know mm-hmm. they 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 need to to learn to use their own brain and 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 be able to read so I wanted to tackle that audience. I can. I think me um, being who I am could relate better to an or, uh, older audience, and so I have a lot to say. <laughs> so I would. I, I I really I really enjoy doing the the chapter series. My my hands. You know, once I get into that creative mood, my hands get away from me. And I'm typing (laughs) up a storm. And before you know it, I've got already got 125 pages. So the the smaller, the smaller books or the the books that are for the three to eight year olds, I don't think would satisfy me as a writer. Mm.
1: Now, you mentioned uh, (laughs) the the kids not reading enough and, and and spending so much time on social media. It's very ironic because obviously with these quarantines, you have parents posting all the time that, they, that they, they're they trying to continuously find activities or something to watch on TV to keep their kids occupied. Mm-hmm. But in our day, a book did that. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> you know, a book can take you, even if you're outside, even when you're outside, you're in libraries with, with multiple people, a book will take you to another place and you right. use your imagination. And why do you think why do you think in such in our society today, even with the quarantine issue and kids not being receptive to using their imagination and, and relying on social media and technology to to basically think for them? Why do you think that's still uh, still occurring when we know it's become a big issue for kids?
2: I I think it's because the parents, uh, it, it all starts with the parents. You have to um, kind of crack down. And a lot time. I don't see anything wrong with looking at some things on social media or doing things on social media, but you you gotta break it up. I you know, again, at that uh, book festival, there was a young girl. She was the youngest author. She was twelve years old, and mm. I did a a radio spot with her, and just to hear her talk at twelve years old. Uh, you know I was totally blown I'm like okay this little girl has been here before because she's not even talking right. like a tw- <laughs> she's not even talking like a 12 year old I'm like I got one book while she has five you know that were already out that she had written because her you know she told her mom she wanted to write and her mother was like well I don't know what to do um where do I go where do I start and she explained, that a lot of of her peers they need to be disciplined and allot time for certain things she seemed to be very organized and so you know she stated that i don't really like to be on social media that that uh that often i don't want to be buried into social media where I'm not learning other things and other crafts and stuff like that outside of social media. I don't want to de- just depend on social media. And so, but she's saying, but that's not to say that I don't get on social media and text my friends and everything, but I a lot time when I do that, because if I don't, then it takes me away from all the other important things that I need to do, like my homework and studying and stuff like that. So, you know if the if the child is not disciplined enough to do that then the parents need to step in but it's so hard because it's you know a lot of parents today especially women who single parents you know you're taking care of your kids you got to work you know some have part time jobs you're not home enough to to facilitate those type of things and when they get home they're so tired they don't want to be bothered. So they leave the child to their own devices. So, you know, it it, it has to start um, with the parent. You know, I, I will admit that, no, I was not one of those that would come home and I'm too tired and I don't want to be bothered and this and that and the other. But I did not um, discipline my daughter where it's like, okay, look, India, you need to just do your homework and do this Nat and that and the other. You can only be on social media from uh, six to seven, but from seven to nine, before you go to bed, you're going to do your homework. You know, you need to read a couple of pages of this book and, you know, stuff like that. <clears throat> there were some things that I would do with her, but it, it wasn't something that was consistent. But then I was lucky enough to get one of those that, could basically um how you say juggle you know she she was always a straight A student throughout school didn't have any problems with her even in college she was on the dean's list i didn't have no problem with her um she was able to multitask so i didn't have to set boundaries for her but there are some kids that like if i was Today, if I was a kid, my mother would have to set boundaries for me. She would definitely have to set boundaries because I'm all about fun. I don't want to do no work. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that's just me. I don't want, that's the boring. And if it doesn't appeal to me, um, I ain't doing it, you know, that type of deal. So I would definitely need those boundaries. Um, but it, it, you know. Again, to answer your question, it's got to start with the parents and and you got to know your child. You got to know your child. So, you know, I I think it's it's good. Um, There's some things they should know. I don't have any problems with social media. But at the same time, um, just like that young lady, 12 year old that was at the book festival, um, it, it should be times should be allotted to do certain things. And that's that. Mm. There is negotiation. There is no negotiating. These parents today negotiate with their kids. And why? Because they're kids. Right.
1: <laughs> so how, how do you prepare for uh book festivals? I, mean, I know you mentioned that you had a bunch of schedule. I know you mentioned being at a, a few of them. Uh, how do you prepare mm. for them?
2: Well, um, first of all, I seek them out. You know, I see, I write down the ones um, and, and go on the Internet and look at them to see if it's right for me. Um, because not every book festival is right for you. So you determine whether or not you want to do that festival or not. Uh, once you get all the information that is necessary um, to fill out the registration. Of course, um, all the book festivals have a fee. So, you know, that's another thing. Can you afford that fee? And uh, once you have deciphered it, if you can afford it and you signed up for it, you know, basically, then that's when I kind of kick it into um, overdrive. I am just above and beyond in everything that I do. Um, And and I know me doing that, I lose a lot of money. But like I said, I really, it's not, it's not about the money um, for me. I just want to make sure that I put out the best product possible and be able to draw in my audience with whatever it is that I'm presenting to them. Again, this year, what I'm trying is, you know, I give the kids actual backpacks that, you know, have Smart Alex. Alex on it. They're graffiti bags, actually. They're pretty cool. And on the bottom of them, they have a smart Alex. And then I I also um, got cups that are mood cups. So they change colors depending on Mm. what type of liquid you put in it if you water, you know, juice or soda. Um, And it has, I have actually um, created a logo for Smart Alec Alex. And so on that cup is the logo. Um, I also have the lanyards, which says um, I love to read. So they get those. Um, They're stickers of, of Smart Alec Alex. And, you know, along with that, you know, when they buy the book, they get all those things in that bag. Um, they get the book markers, they get the, the actual book. Um, there's thank you cards. Like I said, I have a whole array of stuff and I usually give all of that stuff away just as the, at, at the price of the book, which is $10. And I do at least 25 per show. If I happen to sell more than 25, you know, my best friend is like, well, if you happen to sell twenty five, then they just get the book and that's that, or or bookmark. But I always have something laid off to the side um, that I give the kids that come later, or if I have sold out of the the first twenty five, I just I kind of feel bad, and and I want to give them <laughs> something, <laughs> and I want to give them something too. So you know, I kind of right, right. uh, I keep a um, a really Big ray of array of things um, that would appeal to the kids. So as you know, and 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 I order probably like maybe once a month, and um, just put stuff to a side. And as as I do the show, I, you know, I'm already prepared and ready to go. Um, I have a lot of people at my job that that buy the books, so you know, if I order the books. To sell on my own, I always add like an extra 50 um, along with Mm -hmm. whatever it is that I buy because a lot of the people and I don't know why the people refuse to go on Amazon to actually buy the book because it's still the same price. They just rather get it from me. I guess it saves (laughs) them shipping or or whatever the case may be. You know, I had to kind of stop them. Um, At one point in time, because I think on my first book um, festival I did, or actually it was the signing, the opening of Alex, just, you know, starting out. I, when I came to work that Monday after doing it, those who actually bought the book online that wasn't able to come to the book signing was standing at my desk in a line waiting for me to sign it. And I, and I'm like, no, can't do that. You know, we work for the federal government. I'm not trying to get in trouble, you know, because you can't be <laughs> doing the business on the job and everything. It was just crazy. So, you know, I just tell people, look, just let me know you have the book. And I'll come to your desk and sign it. But, you know, but to be standing in a line at my desk. No, that ain't cool. We can't do that.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. So, your you know, I just
1: looking at you like you're crazy. Right.
2: Exactly. And like I said, I'm not trying to get in trouble. But, um, yeah, I just like I said, I go above and beyond and all the things that I do when it comes to the giveaways. You know, people ask, well, what do you do for marketing? i have videos i put videos out there um oh really uh, yeah i you know mock-ups you name it i i have a a lot of stuff that i put out probably every other day just so i'm not even going to give you a chance to forget about smart Alec alex you know my my ultimate goal is to and and I thought of this, but one lady already did it and this lady this was a white lady too. She said I you know I took a chance and I went out there on Instagram and I said, look, hey, I know you don't know me but X, Y, and Z and she went into her story. and I think her book has something to do with um, autism or something like that. but she actually reached out to Howie Mandel. And, and he reached back out to her and, you know, they start, yeah, they started talking. And, um, so now he's, he's, you know, endorsing and doing things with her that would, you know, help her book get out there and stuff like that. Well, that was something that I wanted to do from the, from the very beginning. My thing is, okay, I want at least two or three books under my belt before I start approaching people. And I'm like, okay, well now I'm getting ready to say, Hey, I know you don't know me, but you know, and then tell them about the book. And I mean, you never know where it can lead. You know, you got people like Tyler Perry that are just, you know, looking for ordinary people to do certain things. So, you know, my ultimate goal is to turn Smart Alec Alex into a cartoon. mm. I want, I want her to be the new Penny Proud. Yep, that's what I want.
1: So, did you ever fit? Is a, is a theme song complete that you were working on?
2: Um, kinda, yeah, kind of. I I was playing around um with some lyrics, and I did a little small rap in regards to um. I guess I'm supposed to be Alex the rap that I'm doing.
3: Mm-hmm. But I can,
2: I can let you hear, let me crank up my phone real quick and um, let you hear a little bit of the, the music. Nice. And give you an <laughs> idea of what to talk of what, or what I'm saying. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> Last I'm fun, I'm sweet, I like to read. Come on, gang, just follow me. That's, that's pretty much it. That's dope. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's crazy. That's so crazy. Yeah. Like, because, it, it, it's crazy because we are capturing this moment of where you're at in this process because most people are going to see it and think and, and not see the hard work you're putting behind it. Like you like the ultimate hustle, you're like you're doing the, the, the song for it. You're doing the lyrics yeah. for you. You have, the out, you have the shirts out, you know what I mean? And most people are going to just see like, a, as you know, a lot of people, once you drop the third book, most people are going to be introduced to you probably at a festival when you got a third book out and all of this is already in place, but they're not, they're not seeing the process. So right. how important is the process in understanding the hard work that goes into it for aspiring writers who are just listening to this and don't even understand um, everything you're doing. So how important is the process into getting to the final product to you?
2: Yeah, it's very important. Um, like I said, I'm one of those who go above and beyond, but it just doesn't come that easy. You have to do the research. Um, if it, I, I give all the credit to the illustrator and writer um, focus group on Facebook for just everybody and for the ones for African American um, illustrators and writers. They have helped me tremendously. Um, it wasn't something that came easy. I definitely had to sit back and grasp the concept as well as, um, what I needed to do, how I needed to do it and who I needed to get with in order to make it happen. Um, now that I have not mastered it, but I definitely understand the process. And so it is a little easier for me. I think the biggest Part of it would be the financial part of it. It would be a blessing if I could get the financial backing, because if I did, I I definitely think that this would take off to a a whole nother level. Um, But that's definitely in the works. So my advice to other authors, the process is you got to do the research. You can't just jump right into it. Like I said, it didn't come easy for me. Um, I definitely had, and I asked a lot of questions to the point where I just knew that I was just getting on people's nerves because I was also asking the same questions over and over and over again. I definitely needed to be able to understand what it is that I was doing and to, you know, basically grasp what it was that I needed to do. And like I said, they have been a great deal of help um, for me. So as long as, as long as you do that and, and, and be persistent about what you're doing, then, you know, anybody, anybody can do it. If I can do it, I'm definitely going to say anybody can do it. Um, Because I'm just, you know, I get a little impatient and I'm one of those that (laughs) will, yeah, I will, Ikea, Ikea, you know, Ikea, you got to build everything. And I'm one of those that don't like to look at the directions. I'll look at the picture before I look at the directions and then right, try right. to figure That's out true. how to. Right. I don't have to. I ain't got time to be reading and doing all that. You know, I just I need to know what I'm doing right then and there. So for me to actually take a step back and do the research and listen to what people are telling me in order for me to put this together. You can do it, too.
1: Now, what is one thing that you would have done differently through this whole publishing journey? If you can go back to speak to Tanya from a year ago, two years ago, and sit there and say, Hey, don't do this. Or give me two things. Give me one of don't do this, and give me another of absolutely do this. That you that something that you've done that worked out, and then obviously something that you you you've done that you would tell others not to do
2: in in this particular journey yeah, or your
1: publishing journey. period so if you if you can go back anything you would you've done different or anything you wish oh okay you i done got from... you
2: hmm. what i would not do that i did before um i did mention earlier is to which i didn't know they would call this um is to get with um a vanity company The company that I used, uh, what were they called? Outskirt. They were called Outskirt Press. And I'm thinking, okay, cool. It is self publishing because, you know, I'm writing it and um, they did the editing. Um, I did the cover. Uh, But once all that's said and done, where do we go from here? They don't do any marketing, Um, they don't do uh, anything that goes above and beyond to see your product in motion. They leave everything up to you and you've already spent anywhere between three to five thousand dollars. And mm. you you don't recoup that money back. Um the royalties, I didn't see anything, you know. I didn't see any royalties. And I know that I've sold some books. But I never got a check from them for royalties. So I would never, um, you know, when people are on that chat room and and what I can proudly say now is that I can offer advice now um, that I know the process of publishing. When people are out there asking questions as I did nine, ten months ago. Now I can answer those questions in those chat rooms and people do come in there and they want to know, well, what do you think about this company? Uh, has anybody experienced anything with this company? And we all tell them, do not sign up with any of those companies. You can do this on your own. And what people don't realize is that, when you're self-publishing and you go through Kindle Direct Publishing, which is uh, a subsidiary of Amazon, it is free. You don't pay anything. It is free. So that that's, that's the biggest thing. Um, outside of that, do not rush. Do not rush. Because you want to be able to, to put out the best product possible. Um and the reason why I say that this, the first book I think it took about 6 months the illustration part of it. I think I got a little crazy and and this this guy is a sweetheart, Gustav, He's my illustrator. <laughs> I think I got a little crazy cuz I had to think, okay, how long did it take him to do the illustrations for the first book when I gave everything to him for the second book was in the end of November. I was in communications with him for a good two months and and I didn't realize, and and I put a lot of pressure on him, but he stuck with me through it all. And like I said, the book just came out about a month ago. So that was definitely not within six months. His illustrations were done by the end of January. And wow. you know, it takes time. Yeah, it takes time to edit your book and it definitely takes time for the formatter to put everything together for you. But after everything was said and done, I really felt bad and I had to apologize to him. Um, you know, there there are some pros and cons. Being that he is in India, he still speaks English. I have spoken to him a couple of times. His English is not that good, but it's, it's enough where we can communicate. So there were some language barriers there when I'm trying to explain what it is that I want. Some things he would understand and other things he may not understand, and I would have to send him back to the drawing board. Um, those those are the things that that I kind of feel bad about, and so now you know I'm like cognizant about the the time frame because I had to, I'm like why am I so frustrated with this? How long did it take the first time? And I'm like, okay, cool. I just reached out to the guy at the end of April. We started working the beginning of May, and the book didn't come out. I didn't finish everything until like. The end of October. So that was like, yeah, six, six months or so. Here I give him the second book and, and I'm on him like white on rice. And <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm like, I need, I want this done like now type of deal. And within two and a half, maybe three months, you know, but I'm sure it was very difficult for him because believe it or not, those who have seen the illustrations for Alex. And and they ask me, who am I using? He's been getting a lot of work. So it, 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 he was becoming a little overwhelmed because a lot of people mm-hmm. was inquiring his services. Um but you know, my thing is well, I was here first <laughs> and right, I'm like, no, Tanya. Exactly. Yeah. I'll put you on. <laughs> right. I'm, yeah. So yeah, and I'm loyal and I'm telling you I want you to do the illustrations for all of Alex period so you know he knows for me he's got a job because he's going to always do what I need for Alex but um you know I had to I had to take a step back and be like okay he's still a person you know you, you can't pressure them and, and stuff like that because he could just pick up one day and say look I don't want to do this no more so I don't, I don't want to risk that so, you know, I had to smooth it out, even though he didn't show me that he was mad or frustrated or anything like that, you know, and and his thing is, and I didn't agree with this, but because he's working for me and I'm paying him, he looks at me and anybody else that he's working with, we're gods to them. Because the, the money that we're giving them, um, the value is not the same is definitely not the same. So our money is worth more. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, and this, and and then I had to realize, I didn't know if he was working a nine to five and doing this on the side, but no, he has an actual company where he has other illustrators. And where I was getting a little frustrated was, you know, he would give me the 12 illustrations for each chapter and they would be just still drawings. But then when I get the actual black and white drawings, they would look a diff, little different. And I'd be like, well, why, is this look, why does this look different? It doesn't look like what you gave me before. And what was happening was if he got too overwhelmed or too busy, then he would give the project to another one of the illustrators. And of course, nobody, everybody doesn't draw the same, you know? So, right. but you know, I think we're on the same page now. We had to, we had a, had to get an understanding on on what it was that I was expecting, as well as me understanding that he's just not the only one that's working there. But I was getting spoiled because I'm like, I don't want. It's like a hairdresser. I don't want anybody to do my hair but you. You, I, <laughs> I've been coming to you all along and. I know your work. And so therefore I want you to do it. And so I kind of right. got that way with him because he's the one that created Alex, you know, even though he had a drawing of mine that gave him the idea, he still was the creator. And so I have that special bond with him. And as long as he's doing it, then I'm good. So, you know, <laughs> so those are some. Those are some of the things that I would suggest that people, you know, kind of be patient. Um, do you do your research and do not get with these vanity companies.
1: Now you mentioned, obviously, the, the future plans. Obviously, what's next for Smart Alec Alec series, but what's mm-hmm. next for you? Obviously, once. We all go back to normal, our normal lives, our normal routines. Once the quarantines are lifted, what are what are your next moves in terms of getting out there and um, continuing your your brand and your business?
2: Um, for now, I think I'm just gonna kind of keep it steady. Um, the third book is 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 definitely underway. way. Uh, once I have enough material under my belt then I can basically do other things that I want to do um with two yeah I may be able to 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 approach other people but I think I would feel better if I had that third one with me and then I could start uh approaching people in regards to like I said the sweatshirts and the t-shirts have really um Uh, taken on a form of their own. Um, And it's a little hard to keep up because it is expensive, but I enjoy doing it, so I don't really complain. But, you know, if I can get some people or a person to invest um, and, you know, we go into this together, then I would be able to do more with that. Um, And then, like I said, I, you know, African-Americans, these celebrities and stuff like that, they have really um, taken a step up in helping other people and investing in and getting involved in different things. So I'm definitely going to reach out to some of them and, uh, you know, see if I can get them to help with promoting my book, you know, so we can get larger sales and get Alex out there um, worldwide. I definitely want her to become one of the most popular uh, African-American children chapter series. Uh, About a a couple of months ago, I went up to Jersey and saw Stephanie Mills um, just hanging out and she brought her son on the stage. I think his name is Farad. And I had no idea, number one, she had a son. But I definitely did not know that she had a son that was um, mentally challenged, or he, he had Down syndrome or something like that. But he wrote a book, and it was called The Adventures of Farad. And so my thing is, I'll, i I want to support her. You know, I want to take a look sure. at his book and support her. But in turn, I want you to. Well, I you know you I wouldn't even maybe charge her. I would just send it to her. But the fact that she has it, and even if she took one picture with it, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. It's, it's uh, the power of suggestion. When you see one person with it, who was of some kind of stature, then everybody follows. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I, I really would love for my book to get in the hands of Blue Ivy. <laughs> you know? Because to they me, came, came right, there. <laughs> right. To me, she is Smart Alec Alex, in my opinion. And to have her, you know, be on Instagram talking about, you know, this book that she didn't read or talking about Smart Alec Alex would really um, do something for getting it out there. So that that's basically my next step. I think after that right now I'm going to do the book festivals. I'm going to continue to 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 create and sell the t-shirts. I'm going to continue to um give out all these paraphernalia's and and things that come along with the book at the festival. Um but I think once that third book hits uh out there, then that's when I'm going to probably go strong. Um, haven't decided or I haven't really thought about how am I going to use the music? You know, where am I going to use the music? The only place I use it now is um, there is a app called, I think it's called MoSho. and it's M-O show and it creates videos for the pictures. So I take Alex's 12 illustrations and I put it in Mo Show and they have um, different type of uh, sequences within the program. And then it's done with music. You can use their music or you can use your own music. And in this instance, I use my own music. So that is what you heard. That is Alex's theme song. Um, so, I mean, basically that that's it for me. I'm just trying to get it out there as much as possible. And um trying to get people to, to, to buy the book and to talk more about it. And I would like to find a way to be able to interact with the older kids. Um, I need to come up with some sort of curriculum myself. Um, I asked Mm -hmm. the teacher to share with me what it is that she do with the kids. You know, I think one of them is that she has them read it and read a couple of chapters at a time and create uh, a Q&A. In the second book, I did do something to that effect. In the back of the book, I have a word search for braces and glasses. So if you read the book, the words that are in the word search, um, you would recognize because it's in the book. And on the flip side of that is a Q&A of the characters and, and you know, what can you tell me about the characters and, and which character does this and which character does that, you know, just to get them acclimated to the characters and know um, to 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 know the characters personally. Now, I'll tell you a secret. Right. After the <laughs> third book. <laughs> After the third book, which is um, Hello, Operator Help, The Vacation from Hello, Operator Help. And that's basically um, spring break with her and her friends. Her friends are actually uh, going with her and her mom to visit her grandmother. And her grandmother lives in the bayou. And it's very dark and scary. So mm. that's going to be pretty hilarious. Um, but after that book, because I want to, appeal to boys as well because smart Alec alex is not just for girls i don't want the guys to look at it and be like well, is this that's a girl's book you know because it's a girl on the cover <laughs> and you know and all that stuff which you know it doesn't seem to be because the boys um in that particular class enjoyed it as well um but you. that's just that's just that class i want to appeal to you know all the kids So I'm having Kostov create me an extra boy because right now I only have one boy, which is Calvin. So this character, his name is going to be Arrogant Aaron. Mm. He's going to be Alex's male alter ego. Nice.
1: And is that going to be a... Would that be a book four or would that be a whole different series?
2: He's going to be added. He's going to be added to um, Smart Alec Alex. Now I am drumming up an idea for a series that is just uh, I guess not geared towards just boys but it would be a boy series and his name is Pesky Pete. (laughs) yeah
1: that's crazy that's amazing
2: yeah so i got, I got a lot of things um it, it just jumbled up in my head written up on paper and all kinds of stuff um but i'm just a busy bee right now just just keeping busy with alex and and trying to get her out there and and known i've done uh, a couple of other um radio shows that just just did one actually yesterday called chat and spin, which is in Europe and, um, nice. through Ingram spark, which is, um, a major distributor of, of books. And when you're, you know, going to libraries and, and when you're going to schools and stuff like that, they want to know is your book with Ingram spark, because that's where they would buy it. They would buy it from Ingram mm-hmm. spark, um, in bulk. Um, So I was just informed that Alex is, um, I'm not sure where you're located, but here in Maryland, Bowie, Maryland, um, PG County has placed Smart Alec Alex in the Bowie, Maryland library. So
3: um, for those, yeah,
2: for those who don't have it or or can't buy it, it's there for them to um, rent free, you know or what have you. And then, like I said, there's so many kids out there that are doing their own little YouTube channels. Um, one kid actually uh, reviewed my book. His, I think his show is called um, Universal Popcorn. He started out as selling popcorn, but he introduced reading and eating popcorn um, at the same time. So uh, he did a review on Smart Alec Alex. Uh, and that that worked out pretty well, so you know I'm just getting people's feedback as we go along, and uh, just doing the best that I can to keep the the kids entertained and um, you know worry free, you know like <laughs> now these kids now they have you know they're they're at home. Uh, because of the pandemic. And um, here in Maryland, it, it's kind of funny because what they have them doing is they're doing online classes or they're doing, uh, I think it's Zoom, where the whole class is together and, you know, they do their curriculum activities uh, via Skype or whatever the case may be. And then for those who don't have Internet services, um, our news channel is actually um, getting on certain parts of the day and giving these kids their assignments. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, Yeah. it's definitely a good idea. Um, But they're also I'm I'm seeing an influx of of uh, different things popping out on on uh social media in regards to getting these kids to read more so that's, that's definitely um yeah that's definitely something that um i want to be a part of so if i can throw alex in there however i can i'm good
1: <laughs> now tell everybody where they can find that the smart Alec alex books Mm-hmm. And also how they can contact you, your website, your social media, all your information.
2: OK, um, my pen name would be t.d.said. Um, But I did add my first name, which is Tanya, because it was hard. It was getting hard for people to um, find me. Um, and then when they meet me, there was, you know, no name uh, for them to address me by. So I just gave everybody my name, Tanya. So my website is www.smartalicalex and Alec is without the K. So smartalicalex.com. Um, you can check my website for paraphernalia. You can check my website for, um, readings or, um, just, uh, guess, Appearances or book festivals, all that stuff is on my website. Um, I am on Instagram, so it's t.d.said. Um, my Facebook page is tdsaid1, and that's Facebook. And um, you can definitely reach me through my website, or if you want to email me directly, it t d. T S productions with an S at yahoo.com.
1: All right. All right. All right. And that was the fiction addiction podcast interview with Tanya D. Saeed. Tanya. Thank you so much for a great interview. Thank you.
2: Thank you. I enjoyed it.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Fiction Addiction Podcast. Make sure you visit FictionAddictionPodcast.com for links on everything we talked about today, as well as awesome resources, additional tips, and Fiction Addiction merchandise.